Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. In a song, taught me how to sing. Now I have brothers and sisters, gave me a family. What an honor! All right, would you please grab your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 10. So I'm going to work on the many qualities of the Father's love, the many qualities of the Father's love. As I was working through obedience, periodically the Lord has me come back to this about the reality of God being a Father and how much He loves His children. And so when I'm covering other subjects, I find the Lord's always bringing me back to this and diving into it in a greater measure. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at how the love of the Father is described by Jesus and how he describes it as two different qualities of the love of God and how that affects our lives. And, but we want to start here in Luke chapter 10, verse 22. And Jesus is uh, here beginning to explain to the children of Israel how um, the relationship with him and his father works, um, not only in regard to meeting Jesus, but then what Jesus does after you meet him. And it says this, All things have been handed over to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father, and who the father is except the son, and anyone in whom the son will reveal him. So this is, the passage is starting out in a sense, like beginning to explain to you and I that the reason that you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, is the Father intentionally began to introduce his Son to you. And when he introduced his Son to you, you were beginning to come into, whether you understood it or not, the quality of the Father's love. And as we're going to begin to describe it, there's a rhythm to the love of God both in our lives and how it's expressed to us and through us that we want to explore this morning. So if you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father has started this relationship of loving you, which I'm going to explain in a deeper level, hopefully. But it says that once the Son is revealed to you and you know the Son, then the Son's ministry is to come to you and to reveal His Father to you. And so there's a lot of passages, and you see this later on in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is beginning to say that the focus of his ministry was to introduce you back to his Father, and that he's not just his Father, he's your Father. And when you pray to him, he he doesn't want you to pray high religious tones. He wants you to talk to him, he's like your Papa, and you're to relate to him as Papa. And this is actually, if you think about it, if you guys have ever explored, this is actually a considerable radical concept that Jesus is explaining to the children of Israel. Because at this time in their history, they had gotten to the point where they had saw that God was uniquely, God is unique, which he is, but that he's so holy that it wasn't even right for the children of Israel to say his name. And so here Jesus is coming and he's saying, all right, I need to actually get you guys back to the proper foundation of what this is all about. 
God is your father. And not only is your father, he's your papa. And that's an endearing term. And he's saying, and basically, my whole ministry is going to take you into stories and his situations to show you what the father's love is like towards you. So it'll actually do the work that it did in Jesus in you. Because it's very important that you need to understand any religious, legalistic restriction that is going on in the hearts of you and I is a demonstration of how much we are not letting the Father love us. And so today we're going to just explore how it describes this concept. And by the way, just so that I can begin to lay down this idea of the quality of the Father's love, I need to talk to you about how humans love. All right, so human love is interesting since man, we find very specifically in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, it makes a statement about mankind. It says that man has turned to his own ways. And so one of the things that man has done when man has fallen is how he's turned to his own ways is he has invented how he believes love is earned and expressed. And so you guys are in the same world I am. There's a system in the world, and it's by merit that you gain love, which means you have to act a certain way, and you have to talk a certain way, and you have to do things a certain way. And if that person's in a good mood, then they might express love back to you. That's how we have conditioned each other to love. And because we've been conditioned that way, when people run into the love of God, they take that conditioning and they put it on God, and then they can't understand him drawing near to them or how he relates because God's love doesn't follow those structures at all. In fact, it's, the love of God is so unique that it actually takes a lifetime to even get what I would call a 1% understanding of the love of the Father. And we actually see later on in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that this is going to be such an overwhelming thing for you to understand that it's going to take all of eternity for the Lord to reveal this to you. And so the quality of it, the way that it is manifest to you and I, and the way that God wants to demonstrate this to you, is what we call the rhythm or the adventure of the Father's love. So now let's go to a passage, and this, we're going to look at these two passages to reflect this. Would you guys go with me to John chapter 14, verse 23. John chapter 14, verse 23. Now, I, the last several months I've been working with you on obedience, and the main focal point I've been really focusing on is this thing is preferring a voice. And here, Jesus is talking about obedience, but he's not using the word. He's now taking the concept of, if you're following me, it's because you love me, and my love is being expressed to you. And so it says this in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now here, a couple things we want to do is we want to work on the word love here. Here is the Greek word, and it's, we throw it around all the time, but we're going to define it intentionally here. Here Jesus says, if you love me, he uses the word agape. Now, in the original language, when this is being spoke, they understood the distinction of the two words and made sense to them, and only could be translated love from the Greek to the English. We don't get the distinction. This word agape is really interesting, and I have to just build on it to define it. 
the word agape, actually, when it's man agaping the Lord, it's in response to a work that has been done in the hearts of man, because it's the quality of God's love that touches us and causes us to respond in kind. And it's interesting enough, this word, when it's God agaping mankind, this means that the love of God is tied into the will of God, which means God prefers people. So when we say that God's agape somebody, he loves them, it means that when he looks over their life, he doesn't put a standard on them to express love. He says, what I've done is I've gone through and I've looked through humanity and I've picked you. And when he picked you, he actually defines how he's going to express his love to you, and it's called preferred love, which means in every response toward you from that point on, God's going to express love to you. In fact, every way that God is going to move in your life, which we define it as answered prayer or the blessing of the Lord or the favor of the Lord or spiritual or all the terms that we use, the Bible is saying you've just run into what's called the preferred love of God. Now, why is this word so important? Because we're talking about the quality of the Father's love, and now Jesus is defining it, and he's saying this. This has nothing to do with how you live or how you act. This is how God is determined he's going to relate to you. And so what this actually does is this rips down the structure of religion, and I'm going to be very, I'm going to define terms very specifically. The structure of the word for religion is usually tied to the concept of legalism. And what legalism tries to do is it tries to take the commandments of God and win favor with God. And Jesus is coming in, he's actually taking an axe to the tree, and he's saying, that's not how God loves. God doesn't love like you guys love. God looks at somebody and he says, I prefer you. And the minute he turns his attention towards you, it's as though you were the only person in the universe that he's decided to cast his love on you. And then he defines it by his very nature. And he says, I'm going to love you by how I love. And I'm not going to put a standard over you. I'm going to actually define your life by loving you in every place you're struggling, every place you have victory. I'm going to define it by making it never ending. You and I run into this, and we don't even know how to grasp it or understand it. This is, what's so fun about being able to stand in front of people and teach is I get the great joy of telling you about my sin, and you guys don't have to do this. Can you imagine? You all get to have your own sins and deal with them with Jesus, but the Lord says to me, oh yeah, you get to tell everybody that. I'm like, oh, thanks, Lord. On the way up here, I'm getting ready for this. I'm like, what do you want me to tell you? He said, do you remember? And so he went over this thing. I was having a struggle in a certain area of sin. And it revolved around sexuality. And I was broken in so many areas when I was raised. That whole area of my life was just a mess for a long season. And I kept getting caught in familiar sin. And I don't know if you guys ever have the Lord convict you of something, and then you do it. And then your, the natural response in your heart is to feel shame and go, I, God can't love me in this place. He's already told me this. I've disobeyed him, and now all I feel is shame. Do you guys ever have this experience with your sins? 
And so I'm trying to hide, just like Adam and Eve did. I'm trying to hide from the Lord, and I'm making statements like, I'm really not worthy for God to love me anymore. And I'm creating this scenario in my, li- my life. I'll walk with the Lord, but I'll stay at a distance from him, because if I get too close, his response is to strike me dead, because God can actually see what's going on in my heart. And so I had all this shame just enveloping my soul. It was just crushing my emotions. This, this absolute defeat in me and this form of just legalism thinking I had to be perfect to experience the love of God. And I'm running around with all this stuff in my head and I'm, just, I, I'm not even wanting to get near to the Lord and the presence of God breaks into that experience and God just starts loving me. And this struggle ensued in my heart where I couldn't understand why are you loving me when I'm so full of shame and I can't break free of this? And the whole expression of the love of God didn't even make sense to me because I tapped into the preferred love of God and I didn't even know it. So what does that mean? God has defined your relationship with him as a father to a son and daughter. And so fathers treat children differently if they're healthy They see their weakness, they see their ignorance, they see their brokenness, but their desire is to love them to maturity, not cast them out because they're not perfect. And when that hit me, I started experiencing it, and I didn't know how to define it until I started looking at the original words at how Jesus described this. Now, you have to start letting this sink in on your thinking, just like I have to. It means whether you like yourself or anyone else likes you, God is determined in Christ by calling you to himself. He is preferred to show you love in every situation to the point where you expect that. The preferred love of God. Now, if that's the way Jesus defined it, and that's the way the original language uses it, then that actually has to now be a template on how we lay it into the experience of living in a fallen world and the brokenness that we have to deal with. Every situation now is now a story of the preferred love of God intervening when there shouldn't be any reason why we think God would. And it's to do a work, which we're going to go to the next word here. But God is, is trying to do a work. Now, this Greek word, it means the preferred love of God. And it's to actually begin to attack, if I can use it properly, it's to attack the thinking of the fallen man and to get them to think rightly about who God is towards you and I. You have to start beginning by almost waking up with your daily breath saying, God prefers to love me in spite of me. God prefers to cause me to meet him. God prefers me to gain heaven. God prefers me. And the word, I know it means God selects individuals, but this is very important. This is important that you understand God doesn't just slop around the word love, he uses it very intentionally and he says, now look, you need to understand that I make, the God of the universe is making this aggressive intent towards you as an individual and saying, really, if all humanity fell, I'd still prefer you. And this comes out of the Old Testament when God is trying to describe his love and he says, now you, Israel, are the apple of my eye. And so now it's being pulled into the New Testament The word apple of my eye, it actually means the focal point. The expressed desire of my passion is 
focus. That's what it means. The apple is the main part of the eye, and that's what it focuses on. And Jesus is now picking that up, and he's saying, this is how the love of God is expressed to mankind. It's as though you're the only person in the universe, and there's this burning love that God has that no matter where you're at in life and no matter what you're struggling with, God prefers to constantly shower you with the Father's love to where you're soaked with it. And your mind is actually be transformed by it. I don't know if you guys are like this. Think about it. I'm talking about this. But almost every sermon we could do from this point on until Jesus returns is on the love of God. It's that intense and that hard to understand. When I, the Lord takes me into the other topics, I think we really just need to talk about the love of God. And the Lord's, no, you have to cover this other stuff. But seriously, this is saying that you and I have to be met by this and we have to be won by this. Now let's keep looking at the passage. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Let's just talk about that. This is interesting because the word here for keep means to guard. You guys get that. But it also means to preserve something or it means to watch it in such a way that it overtakes you. So now it's saying, look, if you love me, you'll keep my words. What is he talking about here? The love of God. So he's saying, if you love me, you'll let my love come, and you'll actually begin to guard this. You'll protect this, and you'll focus on it in such a point that it'll saturate the way you think, and then you'll be changed on how you see things. Now think about this. All of us, I don't have my glasses with me, but all of us wear glasses. And most of the glasses are what are called the system of the world, and they're warped, and they can't see reality properly. Only in Woodland Park. All right. And so because we can't see properly, we look at the world, and because it's warped and we can't perceive reality or even God properly, everything's confused, and that we take the nature of the Lord and we twist it and think, God's like us, and we're like him. And he's saying, no, actually, you need to take those glasses and throw them on the ground, and you need to let me love on you to where the proper glasses come back on you. And you begin to look and interpret things correctly and begin to see, see things properly. And he actually talks about <clears throat> the love of God is actually being like the most precious thing that God gives you. And your heart should be to guard it at all costs. So we, don't we see illustrations of this in the Old Testament where it says, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life? Here's one of the issues of life. You were formed to be loved by God. And since you were formed to be loved by God, you have to protect that fountain. And you have to let it be expressed. And you have to let it nurture you. Let's keep moving forward. I don't know, is this getting any better? We will come to him. So look what he says. He says, if you keep my words, my father will love him. Still the word agape here. And we will come to you. And make our abode with you. So let's use the word abode. That does mean to remain. But isn't this interesting? It means to go from becoming a wanderer, God wandering, to God actually making a home somewhere. And think about this. In the Old Testament, how did they describe God with the children of Israel? Here they had to build this temple, and they had the Ark of the Covenant, and the manifest presence of God was there. And God kept saying, look, I'm going to be among you. I'm going to dwell with you. 
and there's going to be a quality of your life because I'm with you. He's taking that Old Testament concept, and Jesus is bringing it right here and talking about the preferred love of God towards you, and he's saying, not only does he want you to protect it, he wants to understand what is God doing on behalf of you. God's not wandering anymore when in regard to you. He's coming to you. And he's actually setting up a dwelling place that is to eternally exist between you and him where God never leaves you and that he's abiding with you. And what that actually means is think about a stream with me just for a minute. You tap into the stream of God's love and it's never taken away from you. It's always yours to go and drink anytime you want. In fact, the whole, the whole idea of learning to hear God or meditate or any of that is learning to teach your heart that there's a spring of living water called the love of God that's always surging for you. And all God is saying is stop for a minute, put your hand down, let the water flow into you and just drink. It's eternally been released to you. It'll never be pulled from you. Remember, this has nothing to do with your performance. This has to do with the nature of God. God is preferred to release this river inside of you forever. Hopefully it gets better. <laughs> Would you guys go with me to John 16, 27? Remember, we're now looking at the qualities of the Father's love. The qualities. As you guys are turning there, if I didn't already say this, I do want to begin to present this to you again. Every time we talk about the love of God, the way it's talked about in Scripture, please remember it's never the way that human love is expressed. We always tie it to human love because we feel it. So we talk about it as an emotion. But the way the Bible describes the, the God's love is it's a quality that is so unique that you experience it, you can only talk about it after you've experienced it. So how many of you ever run around and tell Wow, just go experience the love of God. And they're like, what's so unique about it? And it's hard to qualify it. Because I can put all 50 words trying to describe it, but the love of God is so unique in its expression and the depth of satisfaction and everything that comes from it. You've got to experience it, or all I can do is just throw words out to you. Now, here we go with words trying to quantify the love of God. John 16, 27, it says this. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe I have come forth from the Father. Now, interesting enough, this is the part that I want to really dive into and dig with you guys. It's the word phileo. It's not like agape, it's phileo. Now, again, in the Greek New Testament, the word phileo, when man phileos things, it almost sounds like you're fishing, when man phileos things, it's, a, it's an emotional expression. That's how it's used when man has phileo love. It's an emotional thing. Sense, they sense it in their soul. Interesting enough, in the Greek, when God phileos things, it is an emotional thing, but it's what it does to you that it's an emotional thing. So this isn't intentional, based on my nature, I prefer to love you and I'm going to keep that love flowing to you. This is the word for tenderness, heartfelt kindness. So now look how he's describing the Father's love. He says, the Father himself has tender love kindness for you. Affection that you can actually experience. 
So here we just talked about God intentionally loves you and I are going, but what's the experience of it? The tender mercy of God. And this is the thing that's amazing. People can understand conceptually, Brian just said the love of God. I get it. I understand the word. But to tell a group of people, God has raised you up to bring his tenderness to you, to just overwhelm you so you can understand his love, most people are uncomfortable with. Because there's this thing inside of us. Have you guys recognized it? We want to earn it. And we're uncomfortable with it. And then we have false faces of what humanity and being men and women mean when it comes to the love of God. And most people think if they experience the tenderness of God, that vulnerability makes them in an insecure place. You guys ready? That vulnerability, it's only insecure in regard to humanity and how humanity loves It's not an insecure place when God loves. When God shows you his tender love and you drink it and receive it, that's the most secure place you can be in the universe. In fact, it's such a strong, that tender embrace is so strong that it actually strengthens your inner man to stand in an evil day. It's actually the tenderness of God that comes to you, that you're to allow to come into you, that actually gives you what we call the joy of the Lord, which the Bible describes as the strength of God. It's the tenderness of God. This gets down to the point, how do we let God love us? Now, this is actually easier said than done. I've tried to explore this. I'm sure you guys have tried to explore this. But it's learning to just let go. Just stop resisting him. I, fortunate enough, a couple of months ago, I was invited out to California. I was at a YWAM base, and I didn't know what to expect when I went there. And everyone here in California, and everybody in the YWAM base is from another country. And I didn't understand in YWAM that one of the big thrills is you don't go to a YWAM base based in the same country you live. You go somewhere else. So everyone in America is over somewhere in the Middle East or Europe or something, and everyone in the Middle East comes to the United States. That's like a big deal. So I'm talking with people from all around the world, and it was just wonderful to be with people from Africa and Madagascar and Germany and stuff, and they brought me out there specifically to talk about the Father's love. And every time time I'd have to explain a concept, we'd have to stop and let the Father's presence come in the middle of us, and then we'd have to let him love us. And the first few times that we did this, I don't know if you guys ever do this, because people, whether we want to admit it or not, we have the wrong perception of who God is when we say, now we're going to let God come and love us. Most people are afraid of that because they don't know what the Father's tenderness looks like. They equate it to something their parents did or something they've experienced in culture, and they don't realize that's the place that you actually want to go swimming. I would invite up a missionary, and I'd say, okay, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the presence of the Father just to love on you. And the person would do, like I did, what's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And we'd say, Lord, would you come now with your love and your presence? And the whole week I was there... It got to be so fun after a while because the first few people that came up, they didn't like it, right? Because all of a sudden, the love of God started nurturing them, and they're sobbing, and they're apologizing to everybody that they're sobbing. And I'm like, why are you apologizing? 
And they're telling me because I'm showing weakness. And I'm going, actually, you're in the strongest place you could be right now. And one person would just sob, and I would, I'm, they're watching her, and I'm watching them. And they're all starting to just buckle under, and they're recognizing the love of God is now coming into the room, and God is intentionally literally drawing them as children, and he's just bringing them to his heart, and he's saying, do you feel that tenderness? And they're all, I could see this weight lifting off of every one of them. It's like these shackles were dropping off them, and all of a sudden, they started coming into this liberty that's in Christ. Now, do you guys realize it's the tender embrace of God that sets you free from legalism? I could talk about legalism, I could teach on it all day, but the normal way we live as Christians are we are legalistic. And when you say, God, just come and there's nothing you can do just to receive it, God starts breaking down the legalism in people and they just start weeping. And it was just wonderful to watch them. And they kept asking me, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) Just enjoy. When God comes... It is a time to enjoy and let the work be done. I used to have this scenario with our kids. So when you first start having kids, you have to train your kids to receive love. And the first thing I would do when I would come home from work, my wife for weeks didn't like me doing this, but I would come in the house and I had a blanket right by the door. And they would hear me come in the house and they'd start screaming, Dad's home! So I'd put my briefcase on the ground, and I'd throw a blanket over me, and I'd get on my hands and knees and chase them around the living room and tackle and wrestle with them for an hour before dinner. All right? And you're thinking, okay, that's real cute. I didn't know how to be a dad. The Lord actually had to tell me, you need to play with your kids. And Kelly's Brian, the house is usually at peace until you come home from work, and then it's like this... And we would wrestle, and the kids would jump on me and come from the one side of the room and do flying leaps and land on me, and we'd just have fun and laugh and enjoy stuff. And as we were doing that, we were building a loving relationship. And my kids weren't required to answer theological questions. And I didn't say, did you do your chores? It was time for us to celebrate and enjoy And a lot of times when God is coming among us, we think he's looking for a response, and God's just saying, why don't you just let me wrestle with you for a while? Why don't you just let me love on you? Another way that we had to do this is we would have story times. And when we had story times, my wife and I intentionally, and now we're doing it with our grandkids, when we read stories, they're not allowed to sit on the other side of the room and hear words. When it's story time, I grab them, And I either put them right next to me or I put them right on my lap and we read stories. And the purpose of the adventure of the story is to them to go on an adventure with me and me to intentionally express love to them so that inside their own heart they they actually come into a place to know when they're with Papa, that's my name is Grandpa, when they're with Pa, they get embraced. My children are learning when they're with Pa, they're to be embraced. So Pa lets them do anything. (laughs) They come in the house, what do you guys want to do? I want to go do this. And so Pa goes with them. 
and we have adventures with each other, and, and I say things like, I love you, and when they were, one of them can't even communicate yet, they just look at me like, he just said, that's just amazing, and they just didn't know how to respond to it. Now, I love you too, Paul, and then we just have to hug each other for a while, and we just hold on to it, and they get uncomfortable with it, and I just, I love the whole entire process. Why? Because in a very small picture, I'm tapping into what God has made available to us in Christ. When you and I come to the Lord, we're always about our topics. What do you think about this? Help me with that, that kind of stuff. And, that, and God loves us enough to hear those things. But there's a lot of the relationship that's non-communicating where God is actually saying, would you just come here? I just want to love you. I just want to love you. I don't know about you guys. The more I walk with the Lord, the more I'm getting to where I just want to be with him and receive his love more than I want to get information about stuff anymore. In fact, I find the information to almost not satisfy me as much as just being embraced. Now, I want you to catch on to this passage with me. Go back to it with me here in John. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And believe I have come forth, and I'm going to just take that word forth, have come forth from the Father. It's interesting here. This coming forth doesn't just mean with power. It means to come from the kingdom, the nature, and the atmosphere of that place and demonstrate it in the place you're at. So when Jesus is actually saying, the Father loves you and I love you, he's saying, look, where the Father is at, that's the atmosphere. I'm just going to wash you with it. And I want you to get used to the fact that what's going on in heaven right now is an, it's a manifestation and a glory demonstration of the love of God poured on anybody that's in proximity of God. And Jesus is now the door that opens that up and says, okay, when I come to you, what's going on in heaven, I'm going to give you a taste of it right now. And what it's going to do is it's going to satisfy this longing that you've been... Do you guys realize we're, we're orphans looking for home? And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you home. Before you go there, you're going to already know it. You're going to love it, and you're going to go, I can't wait to get there. Why? Because not only does he abide with you, he brings that atmosphere to you, and he says, now look, this is yours because you're in me. I don't hold it. I don't restrict it. It's yours. Enjoy it. As the week continued and I was at um, YWAM, every time I said, okay, it's time for us to invite the presence of the Lord by the third day, they couldn't wait for it. In fact, they were getting to the point where they were getting tired of me talking. And when are you going to invite the presence of the Lord? And they asked me, why does it come so easily? You say, Holy Spirit, come. And all of a sudden, we just feel the love of God. And I'm like, I don't have anything. You guys realize no one has anything special. All God is wanting is his children to say, Father, would you come and be with us? That's all he's looking for. Just come and be with us. You think he's going to go, no, I need you to pray for 20 hours first and give a certain amount of offering and that kind of stuff, and then I'll show up. No, that's not the, that's not the nature of God. God has been longing to come near you. All he's saying is, do you want me? Do you want me? I don't know about you. I want him. Would you join me in inviting him with us today? I want to, Father, thank you so much that you prefer us. You're so intentional about love. 
and, and shaping us and forming us in it. Who's a God like you? Father, would you bring your tender embrace to us now? Bring your presence and love us. Go to the recesses of closed doors in our hearts and open them and come in. Lord, we're desperate without you. Bring us the atmosphere that you bring and wash us, strengthen us. Thank you, Lord. Would you increase your love in this room now? Increase your love. Now just stay before the Lord. I'm going to transition. God gave some things he wants to help some people with today, and so I'm just going to announce them. If that's you, why don't you stand, and then we'll pray for you. Okay? They said some people here are struggling with hands that are hurting and swelling. If that's you, would you stand? The Father wants to love you and restore you. He was also saying someone's dealing with pain in the back of their shoulder. Towards the back of their shoulder, they have pain. If you would stand, the Lord wants to love on you in that area. He said there's, some, there's a mother or mothers here that are having problems with relationship with their daughters. And he said he was going to come and break the power of offense off of that. And then the Lord told me that several people are dealing with terror at night specifically over provision, and he's going to come and break the power of that also. So would you just stand before the Lord with me and let's let him come and do it? Father, would you come and restore our bodies right now? Come into our skeletal structure, muscles, and whole physiology and just release your restoration to us, Lord. Bring order back to us, Father. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of pain and command it to lift off. Now, this relational dynamic, Lord, I ask that you would come and you just release your anointing and break that yoke over these families. Just break offense off of us, over our hearts and minds. And Lord, let that stop being a fuel to keep separation going in families. Just break the power of offense. And Father, I ask that you would, by your love, meet us at night when there's terror harassing us. And I break the power of that assault right now, and I command it to stop in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your presence. I ask that you would meet their needs according to your riches and settle us, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.